With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Hello and welcome to Money Beat Week. This is Steve Grosser with Paul Dean, Phil Izzo, and Steve Russo. And then Mr. Phil Izzo is with us. That means it's Jobs Friday. Is there a voice in your head saying, you can do better with your finances? Well, know that you can do better. Save more for retirement and reduce costly broker and mutual fund fees with a free, easy, and secure tool called Personal Capital. In one place, Personal Capital aggregates all of your accounts, like your 401k and IRA, shows how much you're overpaying in fees and how to reduce those fees. You also get tailored advice on optimizing your investments. That's the personal in Personal Capital. When you're ready, Personal Capital will assign an expert advisor to you to talk about how to make the most of your investments, both by helping to optimize your portfolio and reduce your fees. Take the first easy step. Go to personalcapital.com slash WSJ to check if you're overpaying on your annual investment fees. Signing up takes just a minute. Personal Capital gives you total clarity and transparency to make better investment decisions on the web or on your smartphone or tablet. To set up your free account, go to personalcapital.com slash WSJ. That's personalcapital.com slash WSJ. The immediate aftermath of the report was it, it, it wasn't too hot, wasn't too cold. It was just right. But I know there's a person sitting in this room uh, <laughs> who does not agree with that. No, I don't. I mean, look, I think you're right. In the first, in, in the first, in the first 15 seconds of that report's release, that was exactly the case. But that's because all you can do in 15 seconds is analyze. And look, even if you're a robot, all you're doing is looking at the headline number: 209,000 jobs. You think, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you start digging into this report, I think it shows. Uh, look, I, I don't think it. What I, do you see in this report that's so that's that's well, bad? Well, this is my where, where are the, where are the gray thing. linings this to thing. the silver cloud? I will say I will say it's I will say it's not too bad, and I will acknowledge that it certainly is not too good. Uh, but to say that this is just right, I, I don't think is. Well, no, I just don't think it is. Okay, wait, wait, let's let's brass tacks. What is bad in this report? Wages still stink. Wages well, no. are stagnant, which in some ways is not terrible if you're worried about markets and worried about inflation right. and worrying about the Fed well, yeah, if you're jumping an investor, in before. That's great. Sure. But if that's you're what a human being. To. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Yeah. Right. At the same time, we also saw things yesterday that said that total employment costs are up, so that means there's people are spending more on benefits. Yes, wages are not higher, but it means right. co- companies are spending more, and it also means that there's probably less slack in the labor market, which means that wages are going to move up. So, yes, flat wages is not great news. They didn't go down, right? No, they didn't so, go down. And inflation still is not a big problem, so wages don't have to move up significantly for you to be able to afford the same stuff you could afford before. So if the slack in the labor market is coming together, that means that there is a good chance that wages will go up not too long from now. Again, you're not wrong, Paul. That's, mm, I, ho- I hope you're right, Phil. Is you you mean, are not wrong right. that stagnant wages is bad. Yes. But it's – I mean like when you balance that out with the rest of the report – when you've seen, you well, see growth. Well, look, you, you're still talking about 
population's growing and these other me- labor force participation rate isn't moving, employment population ratio isn't moving. You still have a lot of people. You don't have people coming back into the workforce in any uh, tremendous well, numbers. I, well, we don't want them coming back in tremendous numbers. We want them coming back. Um, I mean, they are coming back, which is what we've been worried about for a couple of months, that they weren't coming back. We would, we've been seeing declines in uh, labor force participation, declines in um, and not declines in the employment population ratio, but at least st- stagnant about it. And so that means that people are coming back to the labor force. And if they're coming back as unemployed, they wouldn't be in the employment of the population. Um, you know, like if you're on, if you're basically had gave up, right, and you didn't decide you weren't going to look for a job because this market was just too too awful. <clears throat> when you come back in. You're not counted as employed, obviously. Like when you start looking for work again, you're counted as unemployed. So that raises the unemployment rate, which is what we saw, but it doesn't raise the employment to population ratio, which is what we look at to see the health. And, and that really has been really stagnant and bad. And it's not just something we can blame on demographics and more old people. You know, I, I did a thing today looking at you know just people 25 to 64, and because those people should be working, most of those people, and we're still way below. Uh, where we should be on that. And even though unemployment's improved by, I think, almost back to where it was for that group, um, the employment population ratio has not. It's still, you know, we're still about three points off where we were before the recession. But it's moving in the right direction. And we're finally starting to see that, like, you know, we have seen the unemployment rate fall. And there's a big argument about, you know, it's moving for the right reasons, moving for the wrong reasons. It's moving because people are dropping out. And that's definitely true. And it's not the best indicator. But when you look at the indicator, which is better, which is the employment to population ratio, that's improving significantly. It didn't move that much this significantly? month. Significantly? If you look at the year-over-year year change over the last, I'd say, 12 months, it has, it has started to improve. It, like, it was basically flatlined. Through the, it, it bottomed out in the recession. It flatlined through the recovery. And now in the last baby 12 months, the employment to population ratio, and I'm talking about for people in prime working age, 25 to okay. 54. All right, all right. 25 to 54 has started to move up significantly. And, I mean, that's a good thing. Things are it's, – it's starting, to, it's starting to, to improve not just on the margins. Like that means that slack is starting to be eaten up. And that's what the Fed has wanted. That's what we want to see. And, you know, you – I will not disagree that there's still a huge hole from the recession, and we have not even come close to getting back there. And even though the unemployment rate is not quite as bad, I mean, we were at, we were at 10% unemployment, which is crazy, um, and we're at 6%, which looks a, a lot better. And it, it sort of, in some ways, makes it seem like it is a lot better than it is because there's still a lot of people who dropped out, and there's a lot of people who are in part-time jobs, who want full-time jobs. But, you know, that all of this is not going to be fixed overnight, and we've had a long time of not seeing the types of improvement that really looks good. And if you look at the trend over the last year, we are starting to see growth in higher wage industries, not just leisure and hospitality jobs and not just retail jobs. We're starting to see that um, the people are coming back into the labor force, and, and those are all good things. We still have a big hole to fill, but you know, if, if, we're trying to, if we want to take the long-term perspective and are, are we finally starting to look better – I think the evidence over the last, especially the last six months, which we had growth over 200,000 for six months in a row for the first time since 1997, that's, that's significant. I mean, that, that means that we are starting to have steady growth. We're not at the point anymore, I think, where you know, one big event could knock us down so bad that we go back into a recession. We ha- and I think that we saw that in the GDP this week, too, that we, you know, we had this negative quarter in the, in the first quarter that was partially due to weather, and, and we were able to bounce back from it. 
I mean, we're not, we don't have gangbusters growth, but we're also not in that. We were basically on a bicycle for, for too long that like we weren't going quite fast enough that if anything happened, we hit any bump, the bike would just fall over and we would be worried that we we're going to get into a crisis. The good thing is I think we're going along fast enough now that we can hit a speed bump and we might wobble a little bit, but we can still keep upright. So you're here, my friend. Yeah. That was <laughs> impressive. Uh, yeah, that, that was, was impressive. I will say that was. Can impressive I add just one stat up. to that also? Because sure. you're talking about the six straight months of over two hundred thousand jobs added. Now for the year for 2014, uh, the labor market has averaged about two hundred thirty thousand jobs a month now. So this is over the first seven months of the year. That's the highest in at least a decade. And and I don't know how far that goes back, but I know that it's at least in the past ten years that's the highest average monthly growth that you've seen over a year long span. So uh, again, just another piece of evidence just showing that it's moving in the right direction, and that average number has been moving higher now yes. since since the crisis, and that would make sense. It had been mo- going at a pretty slow rate in 2010, 2011, 2012. Right. But last year, you finally saw some pickup. I think the number was around 180,000, 188,000, something like that. It was a little bit below 200. And now this year, again, still have another five months to sure. go in terms of jobs reports. Well, but the other it's nice at about thing, too, is here, now. Uh, go ahead. Paul. Uh, here are the three numbers that I'm trying to, to get to add up. And maybe you can even help me, Phil. Is sure. That. 230, the number you were just talking about. One and zero. One being the growth rate, the GDP growth rate over the first half of the year. Zero being the Fed, the Fed funds rate. You have, yes, you're creating 230,000 jobs a year. That's great. You, you've been doing that for the, the balance of this year. It produced 1% GDP growth in the first half. I think that might be and a little, I think that's, that's a little coming low. coming on the back of. I think we're closer to two. Of, no, it was one. It was our story. It said one. And you looked at the numbers. It was one. Phil, it was one. Uh, negative two point one. We went one to negative two point one and then, and then positive four. four. Yeah, but you you don't just take those two numbers. No, no, and yeah, I know them. that. But you I, take the the GDP at the end listen, of twenty thirteen. It was it was lackluster. Look, saying, no matter what, right, right? No matter what, it was and it lackluster. Was, and it doesn't quite fit with. I mean, we have there's this. I don't want to get too crazy wonky, but we have the, you know this Oaken's Law thing that people have talked about. You have to have a certain amount of growth to create a certain amount of jobs, and we're below that. There's some nerdy reasons why that might be – we might have a lower potential growth now because of the hit we took from the recession. But you're right. I mean, like we have had that was lackluster growth in the first half. But no, I mean, it no matter dis- what. But it doesn't disagree with the point that Phil was making earlier. Because I mean, Phil is very clear that I mean, we still have a huge hole to dig out of, and we're digging yes, out of there. And we're absolutely we're moving in and that we're, direction. We're doing it at least partially thanks to what the Fed is doing, which right. is unbelievably right. accommodative. Right. And right. we're still getting not good growth. What happens when the Fed turns around? Well, the Fed well, started to turn around, right? Yeah. I mean, they started the tapering process. Yes, and yes. they, you know, they they're pulling back on accommodation. They're accommodating. They still are extremely they're accommodative. Still extremely obviously, accommodative. Yes. Um, and and the thing is, I mean, the Fed recognizes that. that. That's why they're continuing. That's why to they're keep, moving. Right. That's why they're continuing yes. to not move. I mean, like we still are struggling because we still had a lot. To, we're not perfect. I mean, I, I think that's. Cl- I mean, they don't clear. want. To, they don't. They don't want to repeat like you know, uh, 1937 essentially. Well, they also don't want to repeat 2002 and 2003 right. when they kept rates too low for, for too, too long, long. Yeah, and exactly. led into the crisis. Yeah. I mean, they're they're very cognizant of that. And I think they should be. Um, they're trying and, to thread the needle, right? They, and and I think the, the Paul makes a very interesting point in that even when they finish QE, right, which is going to be sometime in October. Mm-hmm. 
they are going to be really accommodative for a long like zero. It'll right. be interesting to see how they raise rates because anything below three percent is definitely accommodative. Yeah, and they're not going to go from zero to three. That's that's no. for sure. No. Um. So I mean. Yes, they're doing everything they can, and we have only still grown this 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 month. I, I think I think that's a valid point. I also think that we are recovering from a financial crisis, which history has shown is always more difficult than a than a regular recession, mm-hmm. and we're going to have slow growth coming out of that. And we've been seeing that happen for a long time. Um, and I think that I agree also that it's hard to see the thing that really creates five percent growth, four percent growth. Um, the, like the what, organic, natural. What is the natural well, thing? But, but that does the other thing right. too is the interesting point to that is when have we last seen that kind of growth? Well, I mean, we've seen. We, there are different things that have supported the U.S. economy over the last seventy years. You know, between the recovery from World War One and then uh, from World War Two. I mean, and then. Um, the uh, the introduction of women to the labor force was a huge thing that lasted over seventy years, and then we had the tech boom and the and the productivity boom that was that came with the internet. Um, and in addition to that, it, I mean, the argument goes that I think Paul is right, and I've heard him say this before, is that we we sort of artificially created another bubble in the two thousands by borrowing because there was no other thing. Well, I mean, I think you could There was back. no natural organic thing. I think thing you could actually could, yeah. go back to 1980s. Yeah, no, I mean, that's I mean, when that's it starts. When, that's when it started. Totally, yeah. yes. I mean, I mean, from 1980 to now, is we, we've, sure. you, know, you can fairly argue, you know, argue that it's death. I, 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 th- I think, though, the truth is you didn't see those things coming necessarily beforehand. You didn't know that women were going to start entering the workforce in the in the volume that they did. You didn't know the internet was going to come and revolutionary right. revolutionize the way we do business. And maybe there is something out there that that can do that. But you know, we can't pin all our hopes on that. We have to pin our hopes on basic sh- sh- solid growth, not necessarily hoping for 5% growth, but just trying to get by <laughs> with 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 between 2.5 and 3% growth, I think is a solid basis that we can build a a recovery on and we kind of have it, it's it's been slow it's taken us a long time to get there but you know i think that's what the fed's looking for they want to have a year or two of like 2.5 percent growth they haven't seen it right and you know it's going to be really well, hard and, to get there this year with the terrible th- first look, quarter th- that's my only my only that's my only point my point is we don't have a just right economy we still have but, a lot of problems, and we still have a Fed that is bailing with both hands. But, but, so Paul, that's it. That's all I'm saying. But, but that's Paul, all I'm Paul, saying. My, my, one, my, my one issue with you isn't – I think you're conflating what everyone was saying when they said Goldilocks. This was a, a Goldilocks report. They were referring to how the market was going to interpret this report, not the economy. Well, then they got it wrong because the Dow's down 100 points. <laughs> but the, pro- the problem is... I mean, uh, then they got it wrong because the Dow's down 100 points. As we discussed, the Dow is down 100 points, and it, and it actually like peaked. It was in positive territory at 10 o'clock, and then started falling after a very positive ISM report. And we have now moved since... Which I brings think, up another whole problem. Still, how just right could it be if the jobs report is trumped by the ISM report? Well, I... I, I I, I don't even know where to begin. But, <laughs> Chris, I, 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 I think you're getting to a really interesting yeah, question. Yeah, I'd like here. to actually like move beyond this yes. like, just right. It's, it's just a ridiculous <laughs> argument. I, 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 you're I, getting to the point where. Well, I mean, hey, they, you, you asked the question at the top of this thing and brought me in. So. No, 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 I, I, no, I think, I think there, there's, an, there's a point to be made about the just right 
idea, right? Because there, there, is, there are worries about growing too fast and there are worries about growing too slow. If we had had a report that came in at 100,000 jobs, 150,000 jobs, even though it's probably within the statistical significance, if we had seen something like that, everybody would have lost their minds and said, we're going to be in a period of slow growth. Things are the, the sky is falling. We, you know, this doesn't make any sense where we have no recovery. So that's the bad side. If it was on the positive side, if we did see like 300,000 jobs and wages in, improved the way and we kind of want them to, but if wages had improved significantly, well, then that raises questions, too, because it means we're growing faster than... And the Fed is going to have, and the to, Fed's move have to, to move to raise interest rates. Interest rates sooner. sooner. And, and I think what we saw with this report is there's no inflation pressure and the economy is still growing. So it's, it's, not, it's not that it's not growing. It's growing at a decent clip, but it's not getting rid of slack fast enough. So we're, I mean, I think in that regard, it is just right report. We're not and in a just right economy. And, 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 and we're not in the just right economy because, I mean, clearly when we're talking about a jobs report and we're saying that if the market, if it's too strong, the market's going to, you know, go down. That's not a just right economy. That is an economy that is still run and driven by the Fed. And I don't disagree with you on that. But in, 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 but I think that's what everyone was saying about the markets. And this speaks to, you know, the bigger, you know, the point that, you know, I think Steve has written about quite a bit um, <laughs> this week is are we now back to sort of bad news is, uh, you know, or I'm not even sure it's good news is bad news. But, are, but, but is bad news good news? I hate this just, whole discussion, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, it, it's valid and it's certainly important at, at this time to really consider it. I mean, I guess the, what it boils down to is people are worried right now. You saw it in Thursday's 300 point drop on the Dow. You're seeing it again Friday with the Dow down triple digits again, is that people are worried that the Fed will ultimately raise interest rates sooner than they than everyone's projected timetables right now. People are calling for about the middle of 2015 is when the Fed's going to make a move, whether it's June or maybe it's a little before or a little after that. That's sort of the general consensus right now. And you have people like uh, the Dallas Fed president, uh, Fisher, and you have Plosser over at the Philly Fed who are saying that you know perhaps that timetable needs to be reconsidered. They were asking Fisher on CNBC earlier Friday, they were talking about, you know, could you possibly even raise interest rates by the end of this year, the end of 2014? It, it it seems a little crazy, but I don't think it's totally out of the – it's not the most ridiculous thing to consider right I don't, now. I wouldn't say so, it's impossible. It's definitely not impossible. It's not impossible. Well, that I mean, so, will have that, to raise but I think that that I, – I think that just even having this discussion and even just saying that it's not impossible, that's what's kind of got markets a little spooked right here. And now a whole other part of this discussion is the stock market has been up – so much for so long at this point without a correction you you know that it's going to happen at some point is this finally the trigger that 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 causes it it very well may be could see a market that goes down 10 percent wouldn't be the worst thing in the world probably would be good for valuations and for people who have missed out on the rally to get in at lower prices and probably it also good thing. probably says something about volatility when the fed has to clearly signal that they're raising rates right because i mean i don't i'm not i don't i don't pretend to have any inside knowledge about what the Fed's going to do. But if you keep getting 245,000, 230,000 jobs added, if you start seeing inflation pressure, we have seen, you know, it's still not worrying for the Fed, but it could come. We, you know, we've seen some, a loosening of, a lessening, I mean, of slack in the 
in the jobs market, which means that wages prob- probably will be going up in the next six months. Um, and we saw some indications earlier this week that employers are pl- paying more. Those are all things that are going to put pressure on the Fed, and well, they're going to have to. And like we said, they're still incredibly accommodative. Right. So right. even raising rates to 0.5 percent would still be incredibly, incredibly accommodative. Mm-hmm. And they have to make it clear that you know if that starts to happen that they're going to be prepared to act and to do things. And if they just do it one day where Janet Yellen is in testimony and says, well, um, maybe we'll raise rates in four months instead of six months, then the market will go bananas. But if they can build that in over the course of time with the the way, you know, if you do it this way, then hopefully the market doesn't drop 500 points when Janet Yellen says something strange in a in a press conference that but, it's built it in. And I would also say, like, I mean, let's also, like, lay this out. I mean, this is very similar to the, also the discussion we had when the tapering began. I mean, you know, when they cut it from 85 to 75, I mean, it's right. not exactly like they're – they're still incredibly common. But Janet Yellen said six months after they stopped the tapering. That – should they're planning to stop that in October? That means April. That's not even really – that's actually kind of sort of more early uh, 2015. And if – Inflation keeps moving this way. I mean, like you're talking very early, you know, and yeah. they, they have to move, you know, sooner. So we're not very far away. I mean, we're you know at the point where we're like six, you know, six to eight months away. Like yeah. that, they could easily move. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that that's what's causing just a, a little bit of the volatility we're seeing now, which I think is a good thing. I mean, yeah. if you looked at if you if you just watched the markets over the past several months, how they've just really been climbing very gradually. Not many big swings or big moves one way or the other. I mean, it's good, but it's also made a lot of people, including the Fed, very nervous in the sense that why hasn't there been more volatility? Is there something right. that we're missing? Is there something out there that, that people aren't well, seeing? And so it's a, it's good to get a little bit of a shakeup. I, I don't also, think – I mean, you guys watch this a lot closer than I did, and you can comment on it. But I feel like it's not too different than what happened when the tapering debate yeah. – started you know when when we when they first started hinting that the tapering was going to begin there were all these crazy moves in markets and but then when they actually started tapering it wasn't such a big deal right i mean everybody took it in stride i mean like when when the first hints were there there was a lot of volatility and a lot of problems but you know it eventually was a policy that the market was prepared for and if that's the case with raising rates which is even a much bigger deal, I think, for the changing direction of the economy yeah. and the changing way that you know we have to change markets around. I mean, that's a much bigger deal. And if if we can get through that, if we can get through raising rates with you know a ten percent correction, that's a that's pretty good. I think. Yeah. I mean, I think that would anybody would take that and then let us you know deal with the economy the way it is without the fed being incredibly accommodating if the whole thing got through with only a 10% correction i think everybody would be everybody would be happy yeah i think i think one thing i think there are hard questions that are going to have to be asked in the market that they know are there and they haven't had to even think about them because they knew the fed was there with this program, they knew the Fed was so far out and all that stuff. Now the Fed is not so far out, and they have to start asking themselves a hard question. And the hard question is, is this economy built on sand or is it built on stone? And nobody really knows that answer, but that an- you're going to have to start asking yourself that question. And every investor is going to have to ask, ask that question for themselves, make their own answers, come up with their own answers and make their own bets. But, but you just – and I don't even think the market is there yet – but you now can see that you're going to have to get there because you're talking about a period of months and not a period of years. 
And I think that is that's subtly starting to change in the well, market. Well, the what other- I actually find interesting is like the question that we've been seeing a lot, which sort of is, is a, the counter to yours, is is the economy ahead of the Fed policy right now? I mean, you've right. seen, yeah. you've been seeing that a lot right in the in the last weeks. Right. since essentially the Fed. I I I think that's a hard question to you know answer. Yeah, um, Actually, I don't know. I think it's an easy question to answer. I, and I think the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the economy is built on sand. Right? No, well, but I mean, yeah, you know. because but you've saying. answered that question already. That, like we have to, we have to answer that question. But you know that is real. Well, everyone has to answer for themselves. That's what I said. <laughs> by, by the way, but at the delivering alpha conference, I mean, you know, uh, you had uh, uh, Druckenmiller. I mean, this is the question that Druckenmiller was bringing up. He thinks the opposite. I mean, he yes. thinks the economy is, very, you know, far ahead of the Fed policy, and, and that's the big issue. And the Fed needs to be raising rates now. Yeah, right? I think that's crazy town. But um, I know. think it's crazy town too, in the sense that the Fed has shown that it is not going to do anything aggressive or radical or anything that's going to. Right. I mean, uh, two hundred and thirty thousand jobs and right. and two, you know, whatever, what between one and two point five percent growth isn't. You know, let's make sure we get rates back to normal. That's still, you know, right. the Fed can be accommodative and not have the doors blow off everything. And we're not going to turn to Zimbabwe tomorrow because uh, the Fed continues to keep rates low. And if worse came to worse and we got inflation of 5% in the second half of this year, the Fed could m- turn rates to 5 5% tomorrow. They, you know, they don't have to raise rates by quarter points and half points and right. that's probably right. what they'll do because that's what makes sense but if the situation changed they would change the way they respond to it so to say that you know to be so over worried about that type of thing i mean unless they're you know if the if you see bubbles forming places and if there was one in stocks well good we're seeing some d- declines if there was one in bonds hopefully that will come you know that will come too i mean that the the problem is I don't really see one of those bubbles or something that people claim are bubble bursting anywhere close to what happened with the housing market and what happened with the financial crisis. Well, let me ask you a question, Phil, because, I mean, obviously the big question is and what we've been discussing now for a while is when the Fed will move to raise interest rates. What did you make of the changes to the Fed statement where, you know, I mean, they brought in inflation. Mm -hmm. They, um, you know, they took out uh, the unemployment rate or, you know, focus on that, but said, you know, the broader job market uh, on a lot of measures was showing weakness or wasn't where they wanted it to be. How did you take that? Is that dovish? Was it hawkish? I I think it's somewhere in between. I think they're trying to thread the needle. I think they want to make it clear that they're going to continue to be accommodative for as long as possible. But they're starting the conversation. Um, you know, the funny thing is when, when they had those, those, those guideposts in the Fed statement where they said when, when the unemployment rate gets to 6.5 percent, we're going to start the conversation about raising rates. Well, it's pretty clear that they've started that conversation that, and they have to prepare the markets for it. They have to prepare investors for it. They have to prepare everyone for it. And that's what they're doing. They're trying to set the stage for it as as simply as possible without going overboard and saying it's a foregone conclusion that this is going to happen. I mean, inflation pressures are building. Um, they look, it's, it, you know, it's not at a point where they have to be worried yet, but they're clearly building. The, the jobs market is improving, but there's still a lot of trouble out there that needs to be fixed. So, you know, they're getting to a point where they're going to have to normalize policy and they have to start preparing people for it. And it's like we said earlier, 
the more that they do that over the course of time and in very small steps, the less volatility we're likely to see and the less huge problems we're likely to see with it. It's, I mean, it's going to be a very difficult thing. It's, it's never easy when the Fed raises rates. And it's going to be even worse because of all because of how long they've been accommodative. I mean, another thing to remember, which is don't want to throw too much cold water on it, but when we were this far away from the beginning of the 1970s recession and the 1980s recession, we were back in a recession. I mean, it's been a long time since the recession started, and there's only so long that you know, a growth cycle can go before there's some sort of downturn. I mean, the Fed hopes that, you know, there isn't one, but, you know, it, the it's chances like, are that we're getting, you know, it's been a long time now since we had our last it's recession. Like, it's like, what is it, every seven years? Something like that. You yeah. know, 1980 or But on the other hand, we've had such lousy growth that yep. maybe it's just, it does last longer this time. I mean, it did in the 90s. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, we had 10 years before we had – and then the recession in 2001. I mean, you look back at the data now and it's it barely even a recession. A recession. I right. mean, like we say it was, but like the unemployment rate got to 6%. Oh, my God. Yeah. 6% is horrible. I mean, you know, compared to – um, you know, compared to early recessions in the 70s and 80s, that's that's nothing. And I think we could very easily deal with another recession like 2001 in a way that would be much harder to deal with if we had something. I, I definitely think one thing is that so much is different about this that a lot of those historical analogs sure. people try to bring to it are, are probably not going to end up being yeah. accurate. It's a, it's a very interesting – And I've been guilty of it myself. I'm not you know holding my – I mean I've done it too. But I, I think this is just a very, very unique different yep. situation. I mean the depth – well, I mean, the that, downturn was so much wor- was so much worse, yeah. but then the recovery was much more like recoveries from downturns that were not as deep. I mean, it's it, Paul's right. I mean, I mean one of the, well, yeah. I mean, one of the things that you know, I mean, Tim Geithner talks about you know a, a bunch is that you know it's actually comparing it to other financial crises and other actually other countries mm-hmm. where it's actually a financial crisis, you know, bank centered financial crisis, and we're at, in in the our recovery is actually ahead of. You know, scheduled by those measures. And if you compare us to other, co- I mean, we definitely did did better than Europe. Um, you know, Europe is still struggling in a way that we didn't. I mean, partially because of the euro and the structure yeah. of all that. But you know, things are still pretty bad and much worse in Europe. I think by almost any measure than they are in the United I think States. By every measure, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean. You know, different pockets of it are doing better, but so are different pockets of the U.S. I mean, the Dakotas are doing great. You wouldn't right. even know there was a recession there. And Texas is also still doing really well. Um, but overall, you know, we we came through this a lot better off than they yeah. did. Anything else? I think we I think we might have exhausted might have. <laughs> what we can talk about. I mean, I'm willing to talk about the fact that the Red Sox Hall just, of Fame this weekend. Uh, uh, Do you want to talk about that? Uh, uh, unloaded their entire team. Yeah, jeez. For, was, for uh, what? A couple thank of, God, thank, couple thank, of baseballs and saying, balls. They got God, some magic beans. Football, I <laughs> thank God football season's uh, starting. Starting off. this weekend. Yeah. Giants-Bills, big going. game, big game, Giants-Bills. <laughs> this weekend? Really? Yeah, yeah. man. Wow. Hall Pre-season. of Fame game, Hall of Fame game. Wow. It's exciting. It's exciting. It is. It is. I, 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 I'm, you know. Football, a growing economy. Oh, what more could you ask for? It's dream come true. Yeah. I don't know why Paul can't be happier. <laughs> Fall of just going to Giants games oh, I can't with wait. the family. Can't wait. Already excited. I'm bullish on Giants. <laughs> Hopefully Eli doesn't throw uh, 25, Eli's going to have a spectacular, interceptions. a spectacular season. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll I'm say with you on that. Eli Manning will not need a Fed bailout this season. <laughs> I'll say that. 
<laughs> this is going to be a big bounce back here for him. I have absolutely no idea what that means. Yeah, this is going to be a big bounce back year for him. Absolutely. I think so. I, you know, new offense. Rebuild the offensive line, rebuild the receivers, rebuild the running core. You know, this is going to be a much better year for him. I agree. It'll be hard to be much worse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a good point. He'll, he'll yeah, of, he can only go one way. He'll, yeah. he'll be out of a job if it gets yeah. worse. Then we'll be that. talking about the jobs report yeah. again. All right. There you go. Uh, all back. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on Money Beat Week. This has been Steve Grosser with Paul Vinia, Phil Izzo, and Steve Russolil. Join us next week.